All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Titus chapter number 3. Titus chapter number 3, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, But put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawler, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works, These things are good and profitable unto men. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and striving about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he that is such is is subverted and sinneth and being condemned of himself. When I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus, to be diligent to come unto me in Acapolis, for I have determined there to winter. Bring Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. All that are with me salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. May the will of God be done these next few moments, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. I want to preach on the subject of usefulness. Usefulness. I want to mention as we begin this message that in this last chapter of this epistle that Paul has written to Titus, we will notice that Paul closes this last chapter of this epistle by emphasizing some key issues in the Christian life. He talks about in verse number 1, the Christian conduct and citizenship. As he said, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. And so it's important, uh, Paul is saying to Titus, that as Christians that we conduct ourselves uh, in a manner that uh, is obedient to sit as, as citizens within, uh, it, within our area in which that we live and with those in society does not mean that... Uh, uh, we uh, do not uh, do uh, live according to the Word of God. I think that we are to uh, put this law above man's law. But we are to be subject. We're not to be rebels in society uh, without a cause. And so Paul talks about Christian conduct and Christian citizenship, how that we're to be subject uh, to these powers and magistrates. And then he talks about Christian character in verse number 2 and verse number 3. As he said, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawler, but gentle, showing all meekness uh, unto all men for we ourselves also, and he talks about what we were before, how we were foolish, disobedient, deceivers, uh, deceived, serving divers, lusts and pleasures, living in malice, envy, hateful, and hating one another. So Paul talks about uh, what we used to be, or what we ought to be, and what we used to be. And the comparison of those two should always be different in our conduct. A Christian uh, should
should be different. They should be changed. And then he talks about Christian conversion down uh, from verse number 4 down through verse number 7. He said, but after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. And he talks about our, our conversion as Christians. And he said that, uh, that not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. So uh, Paul deals with Christian conduct. He deals with Christian conversion that uh, talks about how that we're saved and what salvation is and what salvation is not. And then in verse number 8, he talks about Christian consistency, uh, how that we're to be careful to maintain good works. He talks about this being a faithful saying. Paul is emphasizing uh, the consistency uh, in a Christian life. And then he talks about Christian conflict in verse number 9 down to verse number 11. He tells us about things we're supposed to avoid. And a man in verse 10 that is a heretic after the first and second admonition, he said, reject this man uh, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. So Paul tells us that if you live for God, if you're a Christian, there is going to be conflict. There is going to be those that uh, you're going to have to avoid and those that's going to raise question and deals with that. And then finally Paul closes out this epistle in verse number 12 down to verse number 15 talking about Christian companions. And I, I think that's important because Paul oftentimes mentions those that had labored with him in the gospel. He doesn't leave them out. He doesn't... Um, Paul never felt like that uh, that he could do it by himself and that he realized the value of having other men to work with uh, that would be a benefit to him in the ministry. I think we ought to be reminded of that, that we need each other, that no man is an island to himself. No man or no woman is a superman or a superwoman. We can't do this alone. We've got to have one another. So Paul uh, mentions these things that, uh, that are important issues in the Christian life. But what I want to draw our attention to is the fact that Paul mentions, he talks about good works over and over throughout uh, chapter number 3. You'll notice in verse number 1 when he talks about good works, he talks about how that we are to be spontaneous when it comes to good works. He said to be ready to every good work. In a Christian life, when it comes to good works, we are to be spontaneous. We're to be ready to, uh, to, to get involved in the work of God. And this is a good work. Being a Christian and serving God and living for Him uh, and being involved in your local church, that's a good work that God has put us in, the work of God, and we're to be spontaneous. We're to be ready. We're to be steadfast in verse number 8 as he says again that we might be careful to maintain those good works. So uh, we're not only to be ready uh, and spontaneous in good works uh, to to be a part of it, but we are to maintain. We are to be steadfast uh, in being involved in the work of God. I would encourage you as a as a Christian, you ought to be involved in your local church. And I mean you ought to be actively involved in your local church serving and working. Don't be a lazy Christian. Don't say that, well, uh, you know, I'm I just too busy. No. Uh, you ought to maintain good works and coming to church is not a good work. That, uh, that's worship. But we ought to be involved in the ministries and things that are going on uh, in the local church. So he talks about we're to be steadfast with good works. We're to be spontaneous with good works. And 
then we're to be schooling others with good works. Look at verse number 14. Again, he uses the phrase good works. He, he says, And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. So Paul uses the phrase good work in, in verse number 1, verse number 8, again in verse number 14, and he emphasizes in verse number 1, we're to be ready, we're to be spontaneous, we're to maintain in verse 8. That means that we are to be steadfast, but then we're to be schooling others. We are to, uh, that others are to learn to main good, uh, maintain good works. Now, here's the question. How are they going to learn to maintain good works? By seeing it in our life. Paul said that they be not unfruitful. If a person is not maintaining good works, then they are unprofitable. They're unfruitful to the work of God. How many people do we have just sitting in the work of God, but they're not serving? They're satisfied at just going to church and hearing a good sermon and and being a part of a good church. They're all about what they can get out of their church, not what they can give. They're takers in the ministry. And thank God for people that will just come and pray that they'll have revival and get right. But God's plan for every Christian is to be useful, to 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 maintain good works. And notice in verse number 5, he put such an emphasis on works, but I'm glad that in verse number 5, Paul does remind us that salvation, that works has nothing to do with salvation. He says, he uses that word again in verse number 5, in light of this, as he says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. So even though good works is important, Even though we're to be ready and we're to maintain those good works, we know that good works has nothing to do with salvation. Paul makes that clear. Salvation is according to mercy. He said... In verse number 5, that uh, but according to His mercy, salvation has to do with the renewing of the Holy Ghost, as He said, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And salvation has to do, uh, is through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 6, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Salvation uh, means that you're justified by grace. Look at verse 7, that being justified by His grace. And salvation means that you have be made heirs according uh, to the hope of eternal life. That's what verse 7 says, that, uh, uh, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So I'm thankful that even though in this chapter Paul is gr- putting great emphasis on maintaining good works, being ready uh, to be a part of good works, but he emphasizes that it has nothing to do with our salvation. That salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's by the mercy of God. We are justified in salvation, uh, thank God, uh, and made heirs according to the hope of eternal life because and through the Lord Jesus Christ. So So it brings me to this thought here. That is, Paul is emphasizing all this about good works. And he makes it clear that it has nothing to do with salvation. But it's very important in every in the life of every Christian. Why is that? Why is it so important? Look at verse 14 again. And let ours also learn to maintain good works. Why, Paul? Why do we need to do good works and others learn to maintain good works? Notice this next phrase. For necessary uses. For necessary uses. Paul said the reason as Christians we need to be ready and we need to maintain good works is because that we might be useful for necessary uses, that we be not unfruitful. You know, God saved us uh, so that you and I would be useful. 
Uh, someone made the statement that usefulness is the rent that is due from us for being allowed to live in this world. You and I are supposed to be useful. Our life is supposed to be useful. God did not save us just to take up air. God gave us an opportunity to live a certain amount of days, a certain amount of time here on this earth. And I encourage you, don't waste your days. Don't waste your life. Use your life for the glory of God. And I know that we have to live. I know that uh, every individual uh, uh, wants to uh, wants to have a, a fine house, want to have a nice car, want to have things in this life. And I'll tell you, the life does not consist in the abundance of things. Now, there's nothing wrong with having things as long as things do not have you. But what life is about is being useful. It's, it's And it's being useful in the work of God if you are saved. Uh, I, I'm reminded uh, where... Uh, Paul uh, mentioned in another passage of Scripture, uh, Paul talks about men uh, also in another passage that had helped him in the book of Philemon. He has a list as he closes out that, that letter there. And Paul talks about those that were useful to him in the ministry. Are you useful to your local church? Are you useful to your pastor? Are you useful to your community? And I'm talking about as a Christian. Are you useful in the work of God? You say, well, preacher, I want to be useful. And I want to know how can I be useful. I want you to notice in chapter 3, Paul lays the groundwork for how that you can be useful in the work of God. I want to say first of all, in verse number 1, we see again here that it has to do with submission. If you want to be a useful Christian, you're going to have to learn to be a submitted Christian. Paul says here, uh, he says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. Paul is talking about submission. Now, I know that he's talking about submission to local authority and to those that have been given it in the community there. But I'll be honest with you. If you're not submitted to the authority of the Holy Spirit, the authority of your local church, then chances are you're not going to reflect that even in the community. You see, uh, Paul was talking to Christians and one of the signs of a spirit-filled saint is that they're submissive. And if you're submissive uh, to the Holy Spirit then you'll have, and you have the right spirit toward Him, you'll have the right spirit toward those that are without. And I want to say if God is ever going to use you, if He's ever going to use me, then we have to, it begins with submissive, uh, submissiveness. We have to submit to His authority. We have to live a life of, of, of submission as, as the Holy Spirit would, would lead us. That's the key to the Christian life is letting Him do the leading. Let Him do the guiding. I think about Hannah in the Bible. And Hannah, she went to the altar and she submitted herself before God. She had a heavy burden. She was praying for a child. And she, she submitted herself to God and she said, Lord, uh, would you? And she prayed and she poured her heart out that God would give her a child and God gave her Samuel. And we think about the life of Samuel. Hannah took Samuel and gave him back to the Lord. And Samuel was a submissive servant of God. He, he lived his life. He, he lived uh, uh, as a young boy. He lived under, uh, under Eli's authority and, and submitted to the man of God. Where did he get that? He got that type of spirit from his mother. And I would say to every parent, if you want your child to submit to your authority, they need to see that same uh, submissive spirit uh, in your life as a Christian. Submit to, uh, submit to the Holy Spirit. Submit to your pastor. Submit to your pastor's wife. Submit to the local church. Now, there's a lot of people that say, well, I ain't going to submit to nobody. But you'll raise a rebel by doing that. If you have, an, if you, if you have a spirit that, that is not willing to, to submit, if you're, if you're always bucking against the church, 
church, always bucking against everything that's going on. You're going to, you're going to infect and you're going to have a great, terrible effect on your children. So uh, it begins, so, Preacher, I want my life to be useful. Then surrender, submit to the Lord. Be submissive. You know, get on an altar somewhere and say, God, use my life. Don't try to plan it. Let the Holy Spirit plan it. Young person, don't try to plan out how you're, going to be, how you're going to serve God. No, just get on an altar and say, Lord, I submit. I ask you, Lord, I, to use my life the way that you see fit and let God do the rest. It begins with submission. Then spirituality, look at verse number 2. To speak evil of no man, to be no brawler but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And you're talking about, you said, preacher, you're talking about spirituality. Yes, the sign of a spiritual person is one that has the ability uh, to control their tongue, one that has the ability to, uh, uh, to, uh, con- to conceal their spirit. You know, the Bible talks about uh, a man that, that would not bridle his tongue. James talks about that. That, uh, you know, if a man does not bridle his tongue, then his religion is in vain. All that he is doing is vanity. He's destroying it by by the way that he is talking. And the Bible says here that we are to speak evil of no man, to be no brawler, but be gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. Say, preacher, I want God to use my life. Then not only be submissive, but I would say then be be spiritual. Uh, Walk with God. Have a personal walk with God. And and we emphasize that so much throughout the book of Titus because it's so important. And I'll tell you, spirituality ought to be the number one uh, priority in all of our life, that we have a personal devotion, that that we walk with God, that we walk with Christ. And and if we're ever going to be useful, He's going to have to be real in our life. This cannot just be a matter of formality. You can't serve God through mechanics and energy of the flesh. The power of the Holy Spirit comes through a personal walk, a personal devotion. God is real. I'm talking about getting up in the morning time and spending time with Him. I'm talking about at night before you go to bed, uh, spending time in prayer, opening the Bible. I'm telling you, listen, spirituality is so important. You, know, you, can't, uh, uh, you can't produce spirituality. The way, that we, the way that we are spiritual is the Holy Spirit living through us, living in us. And Paul is talking about uh, that spirituality ought to be seen in our speech. It ought to be seen in our spirit that we're gentle. Uh, it ought to be shown that, that we, we show all meekness toward all men. So, preacher, I want to be useful. Submission, spirituality, self-examination. Look at verse number 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers, lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. You know, Paul was a spiritual saint. But Paul never forgot what he used to be. And he never wanted Titus to forget what he used to be. He never wanted others to forget what they used to be. He reminds them uh, of what they used to be. Paul talks about uh, uh, here in this text uh, how that they used to be. He said, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish disobedient, de- de- uh, deceived, serving divers' lusts. And, and I think as Christians, we have to do, constantly do a self-examination. We have to reevaluate how we're doing spiritually. Don't go through life, if you want God to use your life, don't go through life telling yourself you're okay. Don't go through life just, just serving and working. And, and I think that happens sometimes to full-time workers. They get burnt out. You know why? Because they're never, they're, there's no spiritual side to it. There's, they've got the serving part down, but they're not, they're not self-examining themselves. 
If you're not careful, you'll sit in church three times a week and you'll hear the preaching, but you'll never put yourself under the microscope. Every day of our life, we ought to, we ought to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, evaluating, how am I doing spiritually? Am I going forward or am I going backward? One great preacher I heard or read several years ago made this statement. He said that if there was ever a time in your life that you were closer to God than what you are right now, then you're backslid. I remember reading uh, uh, one, uh, one great writer who made this statement. He said the only way to keep from backsliding is to constantly pursue God. Well, we ought to put ourselves under the microscope of God's Word in the closet of prayer and say, Holy Spirit, search me, O God. See if there be any wicked way or wicked thing in my life. Keep a short account with God. I'm talking about if you're going to be useful in the work of God, you've got to be usable. And to be usable means you've got to self-examine your life. How are you doing spiritually? What's going on inside your heart, your mind, your thought process, your will, your emotions? You said, Preacher, I, I haven't got all that figured out, no, but I tell you what you can do is get on your knees and say, Dear God, reveal to me the things I need to confess. Reveal to me the things that don't need to be in my life. Self-examination, that's how you're useful. And then, of course, salvation. Verse number 4 down to verse number 7. He deals with salvation, as we mentioned earlier, not by works of righteousness. He said, but after the, verse number 4, but after that the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And so he begins to talk about salvation, conversion. That's important because you'd be surprised people today that are trying to serve God, but they've never been saved. You've got to nail your salvation down. You've got to know that you've been born again. You've got to know that, that heaven is your home. That's the first step if you're going to be useful is you've got to get rid of those doubts. Maybe I'm preaching to someone that, that is struggling with doubts. I, I want to encourage you that it's easy, it's simple to be saved. The Bible says here that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy. It's the mercy of God that we're saved. It's the, the grace of God that we're saved. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Start, stop trying and start trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can nail it down. You can get it settled if you'll put your faith in Him. He, God is big enough to, to save you and He's big enough to show you that you're saved. And, and you can settle that. But you'd be amazed the people today that are trying to serve God in some religious form that, but they've never truly been born again. I want to tell you, if you're not saved, going to church is miserable. If you're not saved, trying to serve God is a waste of your time. You are always thinking about other things I would rather be doing, other things I could be doing, and that I really don't want to do this, but I'm just doing it because I have to, or I think it's that I ought to. But I'll tell you, if you're saved, you want to serve Him. There's a desire, there's a hunger, and there is a love, a genuine love for the things of God. Just like breathing is natural. Serving, loving Christ and, and living for Christ is natural. doesn't mean that we don't fall short, but there's a desire there. What about you? Do you know that you're saved? I'm talking about to be useful in the work of God. It requires salvation. You must be born again. And then steadfastness, verse number 8. Preacher, I, I want God to use my life. I want my life to be useful. Then you've got to be steadfast. You can't be up and down, on and off, in and out hot and cold. You've got to be steadfast. Notice what he said. This is a faithful saying. And these things I will thou affirm constantly. 
that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. So Paul uses the word faithfulness. He uses the word constantly. He uses the word maintain. These are all words that indicate steadfastness. Preacher, I want God to use me. I, I want to be a useful Christian. Then you need to be steadfast. That means be faithful to church, be faithful to Sunday school, be faithful in, in, in your prayer closet, be faithful to, to, to soul winning, be faithful to Bible reading. You say, well, you say, well, well I want, to, I, I want to, to be that kind of Christian that, that, that has influence, then be steadfast. You must be steadfast. And I, I think about so many people that had potential that the Lord could have used them greatly and some were even being greatly used. The problem is they weren't consistent. You know, the only way to be steadfast is through Him. I realize that it's not because of our own ability, but you have to make your mind up that you are going to be faithful. You have to make your mind up. Serving God does not come by accident, chance, or circumstance comes by determination that I'm going to live for God. You have to put your will forward and say that, you know what, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be faithful. I'm not going to miss church. I'm not going to miss a soul winning on on, on Saturdays. I'm going to make that a priority. Now, sometimes something can happen that providentially hinders that. But I want to tell you something. If you have made your mind up that you're going to serve God, God will give you the grace. He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the ability. And God will give you the open doors to serve Him. Talking about being a useful Christian. Christian requires us to be uh, requires us to be steadfast, and then uh, Paul emphasizes standing in verse number nine down to verse number eleven. When foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and striving about the law, when these things come in our life, you know what? It's time we have to take a stand. When men, like verse number 10, that are a heretic, when they want to stand or want to uh, uh, propagate false doctrine and stand against what we believe, that's the time that we're to stand up and be counted. That's the time that we're to be faithful, knowing uh, that God will take care of us, knowing that God will be faithful. Preacher, I want to be a useful Christian. Then you've got to be willing to take a stand. You can't be afraid of confrontation. You can't be worried about what the world thinks about you. You can't be worried about what some liberal uh, church member thinks about you or what people on the job thinks. You've got, to, you've got to stand firm in your faith, stand firm in what you believe and, and go forward. That's how you're useful is when you don't waver and buckle under the pressure of life. You say, preacher, I want God to use my life and I want to be useful that I want to say Paul emphasizes in verse number 12 down to verse number 15. He emphasizes supporters. Paul says, When I shall send Artemis unto thee, Ortenticus, be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have determined uh, there to winter. He talks about Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on his journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. Paul mentions a team of men that supported him in the ministry. And this is important because when the man of God in this text, he's facing a winter time. Now, we know it was a literal winter, but he tells him here, he said, uh, uh, he said in verse number, uh, verse number 12 that he's determined uh, there to winter. And I'm telling you, I'm glad that Paul was surrounded by some men in the winter time of his life. And if you're going to be a useful Christian, then you need to learn to stand in the winter times of life. But you also need to learn that we need others in the winter times of life. And Paul realized that I can't stand by myself. But in the winter time of life, I'm glad I've got a team of men that are working. They're helping. I'm not in this thing by myself. And thank God for that. What a blessing that is. And I see that Paul here in this text... 
uh, he emphasizes those that helped him and benefited him and would benefit him in the winter times of life. Look at verse 14 again. But let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses. Now watch this, that they be not unfruitful. You might be listening and say, well, why is it so important now that I'm saved that I be useful, that you be not unfruitful? I'm going to tell you those that are going to bring forth fruit are those that are being used in the work of God. You take your life and look at it from the time that you were saved to where you're at right now and ask yourself this question. Have I allowed God to use me? Is God using me right now? Am I making the most of my life for the glory of God? What have I used my life toward? Have I used it toward my own self-gratification? You know, Samson was as saved as anybody else. He's in the Hebrews Hall of Faith. But the problem was Samson, and he had great strength. He had such potential. Oh, what Samson could have been for God. The reason Samson wasn't used no more than Samson was was because Samson used his life for himself. Don't be a selfish saint. Use your life for the cause of Christ and make it count for the glory and the honor of God. Father, we want to thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the privilege uh, to preach. And I pray that those that are listening right now might bow their head and say, Dear God, I want my life to be useful. And I want it to be useful for the cause of Christ. May some preacher, the Lord, that may be discouraged, I pray that you'll encourage them that just to keep on going, to keep on serving, that their life is useful and that what they're doing It does count to be faithful to the cause, to be steady and to stay the course in these days. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.